Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Welcome to another drop of Digital Voices. You know, I don't say it enough, but thank you for listening. There's lots of different excellent podcasts you can listen to, but clearly you've chosen to listen to Digital Voices and we really appreciate it. So thank you for being our listener. So much fun to do this program, especially when I have friends that join me. And today is no exception. We have uh, Vic Aurora, Vice President CISO for Hospital Special Surgery. Welcome, Vic. Thank you, Ed. Nice to be here. Yeah, so good to have you and reconnect. Thankfully, whenever I come to New York, we normally have a chance to grab a cup of coffee or something and just keep uh, connected every once in a while. Our families uh, are able to connect as well. But before we jump in, and, and we're while you are a CISO, we're not going to be talking about CISO stuff. It's really important, but they can certainly get that content elsewhere. But you're more of a leader than anything else. So we're just going to talk about uh, a lot of leadership stuff. But Megan, you know, on the topic with cyber... Um, you've, we've heard a couple of different speakers, any, any thoughts on cybersecurity and healthcare or, you know, have, have your think, has your thinking evolved somewhat? I don't know. It's crucial. It's important. Um, it's such sensitive information. Um, it's a big, big role and a very important job. Yeah, it's getting, we do such a great job of it at Divergent, uh, taking care of our network. Um, we've got some really good people, so that really helps. But yeah, it's it's a big, important topic. Uh, but what it requires first and foremost is leadership. And whenever I think about you, Vic, I think about leadership. We first met in 2015. I showed up at New York City Health and Hospitals. And, you know, usually, although I, I haven't had challenges in my career, but I, I have heard of people who had challenges, you know, with, with some of uh, their CISOs or security and you know, that it's, they come from it at a strictly technical sort of viewpoint. And, but you come to this as a business person, like as a leader. And so I remember walking away from our first meeting was like, wow, this is a different, and this is great. And I'm really blessed to work someone, um, like yourself, you're, you know, you're all about digital and consumer health. You understand, you know, the entire, uh, spectrum when it comes to healthcare, and beyond. And yeah, so that's the first time we met. Do you remember that meeting up there on, uh, let's see, what was the name? Water Street? Was it Water Street? What's the name of that? 40? Water Street, uh, 160 Water Street on the eighth floor. And yeah, this was our first meeting. And like I said, uh, that time too, it takes two to tango. Uh, the fact that um, like cyber, like even when Meg was saying it's a complex space, it does take a bit of a mindset, patience, to understand, and if I'm working with people like yourself, it makes it easy to have that conversation. And it's not just about mouse traps; it's about actual business risks. And that's one thing that business leaders, whether it's cyber or outside of cyber, that they can all connect on that business plane. So if the conversation happens in that area, it's it's, it's an easier conversation. Yeah, and I and I've you know been a customer of hospital for special surgery. Had a great outcome on a left meniscus tear uh, in my knee, left knee meniscus tear, and had a great outcome. And I'm a big fan of the hospital and all the leadership there. Uh, But before we go any further, Vic, because I know our listeners are saying, wait, 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 what's Vic listen to? What's on his playlist? I I have to ask you, you know, what what do you listen to? What kind of music? 
it depends what I'm doing. I have a workout playlist that's uh, mostly Bollywood songs. And if I'm preparing for a board meeting, I have a different playlist. Um, it's mostly Punjabi songs. So it depends what I'm gearing up for. And when I'm hiking, it's it's a different ballgame altogether. It's, it's trying to more meditative and trying to calm my nerves. So it depends. Yeah, that, those are those are some good good choices. I have some of that music on my own playlist as well. Is there some sort of uh, guiding principles or words or quotes or mantras that you sort of hang your hat on, like words that you live by? Yeah, so I I, I, I think I strongly believe in the fact that what you know is as important as what you become. And um, it comes from my dad. He's 70. He's a retired civil engineer. And every time we meet, I mean, there's obviously this generational gap, cultural gap, and of course, professional gap. In spite of all that, he would always say, uh, Vek, I think you're doing well. I have a sense that you're doing fine. But can you just find out if there's a specific course or a certification or can you can you still go? I mean, you have a master. He's always like focusing me on learning rather than what I have achieved. So I think I live by that a lot, that what you know is equally important as what you become. I like that. That's, that's really good. I, I've written that down. I won't, won't forget that. So tell us, Vic, a little bit about yourself, uh, personal, professional, you know, what, what would you like our audience to, uh, to know about and how ultimately how you came to where you are today? Sure. So um, I, I think it's combined. I don't necessarily look at work and life balance. I think it's more of a continuum. Both things are happening in the same life, same time. So um, like how we started it, my family, my grandparents originally uh, are from Pakistan. During partition, they had to leave Pakistan and come to India. It was one of the darkest period in India's history. I grew up to listening to their uh, fight and tribulations. And then our own family moved within India because of another uh, relig- religious slash terrorist activity. We had to leave where we were in De- uh, and move to Delhi. And then I came to New York in 2000. Um, one and 15 days later we had the 9-11 so i think all these my 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 family's flights to safety for lack of better words my own witnessing the 9-11 attack i remember i was at the parking lot uh, parking uh, garage roof on at njit and i could see the building going up in flames and we couldn't believe all of us it was it was just terrible so i think all of that had I didn't realize then, but now I do think that that that, that influenced my choice of specialization. I was I came here to do my master's in computer engineering, but then I picked network security. Cyber was not a thing back then. I spent the first ten years after my graduation uh, doing cybersecurity for um, education sector, pharma, did some consulting, and then had my first uh, job as a chief information security officer. It was a first both for health and hospitals as well as me. And um, I spent about five years there. Like you said, we met there. And then for the fa- past five years, I've had a similar role with Hospital for Special Surgery. Yeah, no, that, that that's great. And I, I didn't actually realize that uh, entire story. So I, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, you think you're moving from one place to one place for safety. And then, you know, you end up in, uh, right there at 9-11. So, um, yeah. Now, I know you do a fair amount of uh, hiking, climbing, which, you know, is something that's uh, been important in my life as well. Um, Can you share a little bit with our audience, like some of the things that you've done? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been fortunate to have a few lifelong friends during my undergrad. 
Um, and this guy's name is Mayanki and I are still in touch. He's one of my best friends. During my grad, I met uh, Punita, who's now my wife. So I've had some lifelong friendships from school. And this guy, he and I, Mayanki and I try to do something unique every time we meet. And one fine day, I was remember, I think it was 2018, he called me and he's like, Vic, do you want to do EBC? I'm like, what the hell is EBC? He's like, Everest Base Camp. And just because... He was asking and it sounded outrageous. I said yes, otherwise I would have said no. And uh, then I, I do I do play sports and I'm fairly active, but like, you know, you're a hiker yourself ahead and it's, it, it does require a, a, some discipline. And, um, but because he asked and uh, we, we did that and it was a 14 day hike. We landed at the most, one of the most dangerous airports in the world, Lukla Airport. It's like the smallest and the sheer uh, speed of wind at the airport makes it quite dangerous. We had 14 days of um, exhaustion, sleepless hikes day in, day out. But when we came down, we looked at each other and we said, what's next? So we really enjoyed uh, that piece. And sure enough, in 2019, we, he and I again did Mount Kilimanjaro. And um, it was it was even more more challenging. And uh, we got a good lesson in humility. So yeah, that's what I love to do. Hopefully, there's one more on the horizon, if not more. Yeah, right. Yeah, because, you know, that's uh, in a couple of years now. So I think you all are ready to hit your next uh, one of the seven summits, Killy being one of the seven summits here. I think you're ready for your next one. Uh, but, but I was inspired by you, Vic. So Simran and I are doing EBC, Everest Base Camp, uh, next November. Oh, that's nice. Good luck with that. And it's humbling for you to say you're inspired by me. You are, I, I look up to you, Ed, for all the activities that you do. So yeah, I appreciate you saying that, though. So yeah, that, that's cool. What, what, do you, what do you think are some commonalities? So you've, you've done some pretty bodacious hikes slash climbs. What do you think are some commonalities uh, that can be applied to work and life? Yeah, I actually um, wrote an article on LinkedIn on the same topic. And um, I think the three things that, I mean, it was a life-changing experience. It, it did modify the way I think about family, about work, pretty much everything. It gives you a new perspective. And when I was reflecting on it, the three things that I that I uh, kind of realized, but I was able to kind of double down more on them. One is like having relationships that are genuine based on trust are extremely important. These are the things your friends and family are the ones that can get you through the darkest times. Similarly at work, having a team that has your back, especially in cyber, uh, we had the Uber CISO who's being um, who's facing some legal troubles. We have another CISO who's going through something similar, being a whistleblower. There's so much uncertainty. So having a team that has your back and relationships is very important. The second is um, uh, like enjoying the journey. Sometimes things, at least in cyber and at work, don't fan out the way. Um, you planned because of various reasons, but there's always learning that happens. So enjoying the journey is extremely important. And um, the last is humility. Like I think I touched upon it earlier as well. After base camp, we were quite confident that how difficult could it be? It's only 10 days and base camp was 10, uh, 14 days, but it ended up really giving us a good lesson in always being ready to learning and not getting into that zone where you're too comfortable that, hey, I got this. It's, there's a slight difference between confidence and arrogance. And I think hiking did uh, teach me that or reminded me that again. So I think those are the three takeaways and I try to apply them both at work and at home. I tell my teams all the time, hey, do a project as slowly as possible, as conservatively as uh, as possible, 
cyber does have that benefit because nobody is really asking for cyber for the most time. So I'm like, hey, let's just get it right because if we get it wrong, then then it may just get shelved forever. So enjoying the journey, taking it slow. I think I doubled down on that too at work. Yeah, what what they say in Kilimanjaro, pole pole. Pole pole. Um, yeah, slowly slowly. Yes. Hey, let's let's shift a little bit to uh, hospital for special surgery and, and a couple of questions there, and then we'll we'll spend the bulk of the time just on on leadership. But for those who might not know, um, can you share a little bit about hospitals for special surgery? Absolutely. So um, first and foremost, it's an absolute phenomenal place to work. It has a great reputation. What we do is we're an orthopedic hospital. Uh, we focus on just one area of medicine that is musculoskeletal health. And we've been doing that for the past 150 years. So that's our focus. We've been doing it for a long time. I think that does have some role to play in us being rated number one by US News for um, I think 13 years now. Next year would be the 14th. We've also been ranked number one, not just in US, but in the world by Newsweek for uh, three years, I think. And um, it's, it's absolutely a phenomenal place. And one of the reasons I joined HSS after health and hospitals was that um, the reputational risk that I'm exposed to as a leader and the scale at which they're doing digital transformation is unparalleled. Currently, we are in four states. The core hospital is in the New York City area, and um, that's that's pretty much it. It's a great place. I mean, one, few, there, there are a lot of metrics, lowest infection rates, number of surgeries, but the two that really stand out for me are we measure what's called a net promoter score, how likely is a patient to recommend this organization to their friends or family? And we are right at 94 or 95. And then that's an inward facing. And for our employees, we have some of the highest Gallup engagement scores. So the culture is, I think, one thing that really separates HSS and um, keeps people here and keeps allowing them to perform their very best. No, that's great. And like I said, I, I've been a patient there. I can vouch for everything you shared. And uh, yeah, it's a, if, if you have the ability uh, to go there, if you have an orthopedic challenge, uh, highly, highly uh, recommend it. Um, you know, I know, I know you can't yeah. talk about everything, Vic, but what are two or three uh, things that you do that you and your team are, are most proud of? Any sort of nifty things that, that you all are working on? Yeah, so we're currently working on um, a project called Consumer Identity and Access Management. Um, for us to scale, uh, geographically, even though we're trying to do that, um, it's not as easy as opening another location and making sure our entire culture excellence is transported. That's part of our strategy. But one thing we really want to do is expand digitally so that HSS is available to a lot more people uh, a lot quickly online. And as part of that digital transformation, we're doubling down on um, our uh, digital front door, like a lot of organizations. But we ran into um, kind of a constraint where uh, most hospitals, they have like a patient portal that users interact with and all the services that are provided are within the scope of an electronic medical record solution and can only be made available to a patient. We want to provide services not just to pay our patients, but our prospects or consumers. Hey, if you're a sports person and you want to know how to avoid an ACL injury, here's a video you can learn from our 150 years of expertise and focus. We want to be that trusted partner, even before, before you become a patient. But then the challenge is like all the patients have like like an, uh, like a MyChart ID 
And then those people who are not patients, they have a separate ID. So our goal is to create a unified identity and access management system. So you as Ed have a single login throughout your journey of being a prospect to a patient, or you could be a partner. So it's a unified view. And we also want to make sure one of the barriers to digital care is people forget their password. And that's the biggest challenge. And they log into their patient portal once in six months. We want to be the first to eliminate passwords while increasing security. And that's one of our personal, my personal challenge. Usually security and convenience are on different ends of the scale. We want to collapse it so it's easier. And we also want to offer um, like digital services so that Right now, you have to come to a physical location and give your driver's license to get your medical record because identity proofing is happening in person. We want to do that online. So this consumer identity and access management project is something the whole team, both cyber IT and digital, are extremely excited and we're hoping we'll be the first in, in the sector to deliver that care and, and experience to our patients. Yeah, no, that's that's fabulous. So I, I like what you said, uh, but maybe you can say it one more time. Uh, the the distance between sort of uh, security and you didn't say it like this, but you said it much better. That's why I want you to say it again. Uh, the complexity that security normally, but you want to make it convenient. Yeah. I mean, usually you're like, Hey, either you can be secure or, or it's easy. I mean, you all have heard that, Hey, the most secure system is the one that nobody can use. And that's, that's a, that's a paradigm that we're trying to break that I'm going to offer a seamless access to his patient care without even asking for a password because I'm going to authenticate him in the background, maybe using his device or something. I'm going to reduce medical fraud because my my assurance is going to be so high, much more reliable than just a password. And the experience is easier as well. At the same time, if we do detect, and I think our patients and consumers will appreciate, if we do detect risky behaviors, it's more risk-based. If we do detect risky behavior, maybe then we'll prompt you for a password and you will also appreciate, hey, I never got a password, but now I'm getting, because I'm in India, accessing my patient portal, so it's natural. So I think risk-based friction is what we want to add, not unnecessary friction that they just put a password and multi-factor everywhere all the time. Yeah, yeah I love that. That's, that's why I wanted you to repeat that. That's really good. So... You know, Vic, you're obviously a very accomplished, as we've already established, uh, CISO in the industry, and you're very happy and doing great work there. So I, I say that uh, in front of this next question, because uh, not to imply that you're le- going anywhere. Uh, but at some point, uh, what what would your next role be? Um, is it outside of the cybersecurity framework? Uh, you know, what kind of things? What are your career aspirations? If I have to, like, I don't know, um, I, I always try to experiment with new things. I'm a learner. I, I want to explore uncharted uh, territories, territories. But at this point, I think I would want to be in cyber. And I'm, my personal purpose is to make organizations and its consumers feel safe online. And any job that allows me to do that for now, I think is, is the right job for me. And I'm not necessarily driven by titles. I have a title, but maybe being on the board, there are new regulations coming up, which I think is a step in the right direction. SEC is mandating. It's a proposed rule that the board members have cyber knowledge and expertise. And I think that's the missing piece in the puzzle that will drive alignment between business and cyber. So maybe something along those lines. But I don't have like a title or a role that I'm aspiring for at the moment. Yeah, so it really is sort of uh, giving back to the community and uh, taking a place on a board. And like you said, a a lot of the boards have a deficiency in this area because it's sort of new. Uh, you know, the yes. cyber world, as, as you mentioned, in 2001, uh, there were no even later than that uh, health and hospitals. When you got there, 
<clears throat> which isn't, <clears throat> excuse me, which isn't that long ago. Um, right. They didn't have one. You pioneered that role. It was similar at the Cleveland Clinic. It just when I arrived, like 2018 uh, or maybe 2017, uh, that they established a similar role. So it, it is kind of new. And so these boards are have historically largely been made up of really good people in the communities uh, in which these hospitals serve. Uh, but uh, if they had a business background, it was largely finance. Um, right. And then started adding clinical pieces for obvious reasons, uh, but definitely have a deficiency when it comes to digital and uh, secure cyber. Um, so yes. yeah, definitely be great to have someone like yourself in such a role who has all the business knowledge of healthcare, understands it, uh, and also understands the cyber security and with the consumer mindset. So you're like the, uh, you know, the trifecta for, for being on a board. Right. And I also do love being in healthcare. So I think I would want to maintain that piece too. So whatever I do, if I can make a difference in healthcare, that's something that's very close to my heart. And uh, the purpose of organizations such as health and hospitals providing care to all New Yorkers, regardless of their background, financial status, as well as purpose of organizations such as HSS, where we want to be the very best in the world and give you the best care. I think it's very, I'm, I'm driven by those kinds of, missions and I would want to stay in healthcare. Yeah. Uh, if I were a board chairperson in healthcare, I'd be, okay, how do I find uh, Vic? Which will be in the show notes. <laughs> uh, no, that that's fabulous. Yeah. So let's continue down this sort of uh, leadership uh, role. Some, some individuals are early in their career that listen, and I'm not talking necessarily about cyber, but you can go to cyber if you want. Um, what, what are some advice that you might have for someone who's maybe not quite yet a manager, but wants to become a manager, then ultimately a director, maybe further in that, uh, any career advice that you would have for someone at that level? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, whether it's cyber or not cyber, usually there is a forking in any career where you can continue to have functional expertise or you can gear towards management. Um, if you're to answer your question, if if, if somebody is looking at director, manager, or a vice president, or a CISO, or a CFO, or some type of a role, I, I look at competencies in three portions. One is functional. you got to have domain level knowledge, whether it's technical or not technical, you need to get your domain um, down. And on top of that, you need to layer it with business competencies. Whatever sector you're in, you need to understand how the industry operates, how your organization operates, what is their space in the ecosystem, and what are they trying to do, uh, like have that business acumen. And the third is uh, classic leadership background or experience acquired through either, just like I said, experience or go get formal education. So you know how to communicate, how you know how you get a, you, uh, you know how to manage talent, you know how to manage budgets. So I think these are the two areas in addition to functional expertise that I would encourage people to focus on the business competencies and the leadership competencies. And I think the three together make a very well-rounded individual from management position. Vic, you bring up a good point and it's a, it's a mistake I often make actually on digital voices. We talk a lot about leadership and, and what's that next role and how do you get there? Manager, director, vice president. But you're right. Some individuals will decide that they just want to be an expert in a functional area. And I don't want to neglect that. And I just feel like, as you were talking, like I, we sort of ne neglected that and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It's like we need deep domain experts. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you're just chasing a title, I, I would say chase a passion. If you like what you do, if you have that management inclination, go for it. If not, 
there are more than enough people, like even at my executive role, there are people who are like the best forensics experts in the world. And I look up to them. And even though I would have somebody like that on my team, two levels down, but they are the ones who are, who are like the lighthouse in that domain. And you, you, you have like sky's the limit for any vertical you pursue. It doesn't have to be management. And I, I strongly encourage all of my people not to just think of at least coming back to cyber. CISO is not the ultimate goal in cyber. Even though people may think, but it shouldn't be. It should be what you are good at, what you like to do, and see if that happens to be a CISO show, go for it, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, that's really, really good point. And uh, something as leaders, we have to be aware and, and not alienate, inadvertently alienate anyone uh, thinking that everyone has to go down this particular route. Uh, but indeed, we want those very deep-rooted professionals. So the organizations and management need to be cognizant that they should be able to appreciate and reward an individual without him getting into oh, the only way I can make more money and with more respect or get more influence as a management role. What's the most important advice someone ever gave you? wasn't an advice, and I think it was more like the way my mom, she, she's no longer with us, but she, for her, family was always the most important thing. Everything else came second. And, um, and, and then I talked to a lot of people, too, who are closer to retirement, like my dad. And nobody has ever said to me that I wish I had done more work. They always say, I wish I had done, I had spent more time with my kids or focused more on my health. So it's rarely about work where somebody would say, so I try to kind of, even though we're in a very corporate environment and it's very um, like mission driven and uh, budgets and and operational revenue and all that, I, I do try to take time and tell myself or remind myself that if everybody else feels like that's not the most important thing, I'm sure there's some truth to it. So try to fo- focusing on my health and family and taking as much time as I can to spend with my kids is something that um, was kind of an advice that my 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 mom gave, not in that those many words, but more through example. And I try to remind myself that every day. No, no, that's really important. I always tell people, you know, you're you're at long term. You're only going to be a strong as your home, you know? So maybe you'll get some short-term games, gains, you ignore your home and you, you just focus on career, but eventually that'll catch up with you. Um, so it's good to f- have a good base camp, you know, to go back to climbing analogies. Like you gotta have a really strong base camp and support. Uh, otherwise you won't make the summit. Yeah, or you'll make the summit, but not make it down. That's right. Um, th- what about recharging your batteries? You know, you're, you're a great leader and you give a lot to your family. You give a lot to, to your work. How do you make sure that, you know, you, you've got plenty of rest or if we go back to climbing, you know, you can't climb every day, you know, 5,000 meters. Um, you got to take some time to sleep low, climb high, sleep low. So what, what sort of things do you do to recharge? Yeah, I, th- I think there are a few, few things that I love doing. One is exercise. I mean, even before this um, uh, podcast too, I, I wanted to make sure I get an hour of exercise. I always feel very energized having put in half an hour, 45 minutes of whatever type of workout. I'll go out for a run, I'll do weights, or I'll just go play a sport with somebody in the town. So I love that piece. Um, if I don't have that luxury, I, 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 I love playing chess. And uh, that's something that it's very hard to find time for because each game is like 30, 40, 50 minutes long and it can even be longer. So, um, But I, I love doing that when I'm traveling and playing. And the third thing I do, I, I love science fiction novels. So I do read a lot, but it's mostly fiction and it's mostly science fiction. So between those three things and kids, 
Uh, I'm always oscillating between one of my passions and I'm really blessed that I don't have time when I'm like, hey, I don't like what I'm doing. Or how do I get out of this thing? And obviously, I love work too. So, yeah. No, this is, you're, you're a, a great leader, Vic, and a great person. And I think that really sh- comes through in our in our last half hour. And we talked about a lot of things from uh, climbing and how climbing applies. And it was a great article that people should look up on LinkedIn uh, under your profile, how climbing uh, and work and family, the similar dynamics. And then a little bit about a hospital for special surgery. It's just a fabulous place. Uh, some of the things, uh, very innovative things that you and your team are working on. And then we talked a lot about board work and board opportunities. And, you know, for a person like you, you mentioned during that time, the word explorer, which I found was interesting because, you know, we're sort of have this climbing analogy throughout this conversation. And you used uh, the word explorer as one of the things sort of describe yourself, you know, always looking for, you know, the innovations or the what ifs or, or what can you learn and, uh, so, and then we talked about leadership and advice that you receive, advice you give, how you recharge your batteries. So we talked a, a whole spectrum of things in a very short amount of time. Did we miss something that you'd like to share or double down on anything that we tackled? Yeah, I think um, one thing I would say that one thing when I look back that I'm most proud of, even though I talked about this consumer identity and access management project, we talked about having a relationship with the board. I think at the end of the day, I feel most fulfilled based on what my team has accomplished. And um, what I mean by that is that so far out of the three people I hired at Health and Hospitals, two have become chief information security officers themselves. One is in my previous role at Health and Hospitals. Uh, the second has become the CISO for Department of Transportation and the third is the deputy CISO. So it's, it's amazingly fulfilling for me to see that the work that I started lives on and is being transformed by the next generation of uh, leaders and um, CISOs or what have you. So I think I think we, uh, that's something that I find very fulfilling. And I just wanted to mention that, that um, in spite of everything else, this is something that resonates the most and I feel good about at the end of the day. So finding the right talent, I have a few things that I try to do when I'm building a team and maybe I can talk a little bit about that. So, and this is coming from my physical trainer. He usually talks about it. So when I'm, when I'm building a team, um, um, I want to focus on three things. One is recruiting the right talent to the best of my ability, finding people who are passionate, who can do the job. And the second is making sure they're engaged throughout their tenure. And that is the hardest part. Make sure that they feel one with the purpose of the organization. They feel why they're doing certain things. How does that move the needle? And HSS is very good at it because they believe in culture as a strategy and they believe in leadership by all. And there's a very heavy focus on making sure everybody knows that their actions are directly impacting the organization. So engage the talent you have hired. And the third that I try to do is overload them. And my physical trainer told me like it's like uh, um, overloading a muscle is a good way to build strength. So I think I, I overload by giving them complex problems in a very relaxed state. So they feel challenged and they they are off. they automatically reach that le- next level, not just during a crisis where we all tend to reach our next levels. Uh, in pandemic, we all outperformed ourselves. So I think retain, engage and um, overload is something that I strongly believe in. I'm very proud of the team that I've built, not just at HSS, but at health and hospitals. And it's beautiful to see them as peers now. Very good for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very cool. That's definitely the mark of a great leader that uh, I always say leadership leaders are leaders. Here's my definition. Leaders replicate themselves. It's three words. 
leaders replicate themselves. So if you're a leader, you will replicate others just like you have. And I, that, that's something new for me. I, I haven't t- thought about it, uh, Vic, the whole concept of overload. And I am familiar with it uh, in training, um, but I hadn't thought about it so much in the workplace. And it makes total sense because, right, you overload just like your muscles uh, repair and then figure out ways to be more efficient and stronger. Uh, so too can people, right? You give them more than they thought they could handle and they handle it and then they get smarter about how to handle things in the future and they do, they're that much better. I love it. So Vic, thank you for being our guest on Digital Voices. I know I learned a lot. I'm sure our audience learned a lot as well. So thank you for being here. Thank you for the opportunity, Ed. It's always a pleasure to speak with you, whether formally, informally, and this is the first time I'm speaking with you during a podcast and I very much enjoyed it. Thank you very much. No, you're awesome. So that wraps up Digital Voices. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening. 